Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Aren't you thankful to be in church, in the house of God, in the presence of God? Amen. God, I want to... I want to try to say that almost every time I walk to this pulpit. I'm thankful to be in the house of God and in the presence of God because we could be unfortunate enough to to be in neither. And I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed us the privilege to be together. I want to say thank you to everyone in our church who has ministered to the Lambert family in the last few days. And... uh, I mean that by ministering through visits or food or prayer or whatever you may have done to help them and and to thank you in advance for the food tomorrow uh, for their family. Um, Just incredible, incredible hurt and sorrow and loss, immeasurable. And so let's just ask the Lord to touch them because as we know now and I'm sure they know to a degree that the real journey begins after after and so let's just ask the Lord to touch this family and just hold them in his arms his hands are big enough they really are and his mercy is sufficient I would also like to ask us to pray for our men that were at men's conference and uh, just kind of had this in my heart today that we can not just um, not just hear the word of the Lord or be exposed to a few things and then just kind of write it all off as another meeting but to help us become, and that's been my prayer, help us become. Help us to be men in transition and help us to become what you would have us to be. Every service, of course, and every speaker, every message is unique to every man or every person in those those kind of services because they sort of find us where we are and minister to us on our level. And um, I've had several of the men make comments about various messages that touched them and and, uh, while I enjoyed all of them I can tell you that I will never read Psalms 1 and 1 the same ever again never and never again will I read Psalms 1 and 1 and and so if that sparked your interest I want you to dig a little deeper ask somebody and find out amen God help us to become help us to become amen let's pray over the word of the Lord and pray for ourselves tonight that God will just touch us in the next few minutes and let his word have them have his have his way in our heart lord i love you today thank you for all the people that have gathered here tonight and i ask you again to just touch my mind and my heart i pray lord that you would just help me to collect myself my thoughts lord and and just become a usable tool in your hand anoint my voice your word is anointed so i'm just asking you to anoint the vessel tonight and anoint our hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name, Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for, uh, thank you for the wonderful spirit of worship, Amen. Just a freedom and a liberty, 
Amen. I, I needed to feel what I felt a few minutes ago. I need to feel what I feel right now. We're uh, going to the book of Luke, chapter 4. We're going to conclude verse number 4 tonight. We're going to look at the latter portion of that. You can remain seated. Let's just look at this, if we will, from the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And then Luke records the latter portion of this verse, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Matthew's account of this same prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and this same juncture of this prayer is found in Matthew 6 and 13. And the scripture here says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this evening we are gonna be concluding our series on the Lord's Prayer. And I just wanna draw my title from the latter portion of Matthew's recording, Deliver Us From Evil. Deliver Us From Evil. In the book of Psalms, the 119th Psalm, um, I didn't give them the scripture, I'll just read it to you, but the 119th Psalm, verse number 133, David prays a very significant prayer. It's a prayer that I try to borrow often. When he asked the Lord for two things in one verse, he said, order my steps in thy word. That's the first request. Order my steps in thy word. And then David says something uh, to me that just is so rich and real. And let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Now when people start picking up broad brushes and painting in a broad fashion, I, I, I'm looking. And uh, when people say, I have never done, well, the word never is a pretty big word. So we're talking about never. That's a long, long time. I've never committed this or that or whatever. And so when David says, let not any iniquity, that's a pretty big word. It's a pretty big, a broad brush. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. What a powerful, powerful, significant prayer that David is praying. Order my steps in your word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Some of you may remember uh, a few years ago, I don't know, time gets away from me. I should have looked this up to see exactly when this kind of hit its zenith. But uh, some years ago, um, you heard a lot about the prayer of Jabez. There was a book written on the prayer of Jabez and it just kind of caught hold and as we may say today's vernacular, it sort of went viral. And uh, the irony of all of that is another man many years before then had written a book uh, on the same premise about the prayer of Jabez and it never got any traction. And uh, years later, another man seemingly writes almost the same book. I'm not saying that he was uh, uh, any copyright issues there or, or uh, what's the other word I'm looking for, but... Uh, Plagiarized, there you go, that's the word. I'm not suggesting he plagiarized that, but he just kind of wrote on the same premise. It caught hold and just kind of almost spun out of control. But it was the prayer of Jabez. It took the world by storm. It was not just around uh, the United States. Uh, books were written. Many people were laying claim to this prayer. And uh, I, I don't say this cynically, but I do think that I'm accurate 
I think the, the, the primary premise behind um, many people claiming this was because it has overtones of prosperity. And, uh, you know, it was kind of in the throes of this prosperity gospel, which is still alive today. But uh, you just seem to hear a little bit more about that some years back. And uh, I, I'm not saying that to sound cynical because I truly like the, the prayer of Jabez and I try to incorporate it into my daily prayer and I pray it as often as I can. But I always want to underline the latter portion. You've heard me talk about this a whole lot. The prayer of Jabez can be summarized into four parts and it just simply is this. Jabez prayed this prayer, oh that thou wouldest bless me indeed. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh that you would bless me indeed. And he said that you would enlarge my coast. And that's not just saying give me more land or give me more property, but enlarge my influence and help us to have a, a larger footprint. And, uh, and that he prayed that thine hand might be with me. And uh, I, I always think about when I say that because uh, Nehemiah said to the people, he said, the hand of my God is strong upon me. And so there's nothing out of kilter about any of this. But the latter portion of the prayer, the closing portion or the, the fourth part of that is thou that thou wouldest keep me from evil. And so if we can have the Lord bless us and if the Lord enlarges our coast and if the Lord puts his hand upon us but we have no protection in all of that we probably are going to lack balance, find ourselves in trouble. And so I find the prayer of Jabez to be a very fair and a very balanced prayer Amen. There's nothing wrong with praying for the Lord to bless us. There's nothing wrong with the Lord praying for the Lord to help us to have as much influence as we possibly can, uh, enlarge our coast, enlarge our border. And that there's certainly nothing wrong with asking God to keep his hand upon us, place your hand upon us. But I think it's so important that we understand the value of Lord, keep me from evil. And I don't, again, I will probably deal with this a little bit more as we move forward, but Jabez is not asking for God to put him in some protective vacuum sealed bubble, but preserve me, just preserve me from the evil that may be all around me. I think what a, that's a very powerful conclusion to a, a very a good prayer. And I, I'm, I think that, uh, again, that we need to understand that I, I don't think Jesus was insinuating in, the, in his prayer, in his principle of prayer, keep us from evil or deliver us from evil. I don't think that the Lord is building some hedge about us where we're gonna go through life and we're never gonna be tempted, we're never gonna be tried, we're never gonna be exposed to the elements, but it's just there. Um, um, maybe significant or not, I just thought I wanna just insert this. There are things that are just there that we need to be protected from. When we built uh, the, the tabernacle in Ocala several years ago, the new tabernacle, Underneath the, the, the porch where you walk in, where many of us were, where the registration booths are, the restrooms and things of that nature, underneath, underneath the uh, canopy there, the insulation started giving way and it had to be redone. And it was, it was discovered later that although the insulation that we put up there or that was put up there. I'm saying we speak in French here like I was there, but <laughs> I was there for some of them, but not for that particular part. But uh, it had the same backing on it uh, that you would normally use on an outside, but it was really an indoor backing. And so although it's there and it's underneath the porch and it's not in the direct sunlight, 
the man who repaired this, I was complimenting his work when we were at men's conference and he said, well, the issue is, is that the UV rays got to the backing of that and everything started deteriorating because of the UV rays, not because the sun was shining directly on it. It, it couldn't shine directly on it because it's underneath but because of what's there, it began to break down those things and so, uh, so measures had to be taken and that had to be uh, preserved. And so we are exposed to things. We're exposed to things spiritually. We may not be out in the direct sunlight or we may not be in the direct sin light, if you'll just forgive my play on words. We may not be in the direct sin light, but there are things in the atmosphere that we just need God to put a covering over our heart and our lives. I'm not trying to stir suspicions or anything of that nature or paranoia, but I'm gonna tell you, we live in an evil, evil, evil world. And we are exposed to things at, at all times of the day and night and we just need the power and the presence of the Lord to be prayed over us. My Lord, anoint us. We were praying about our children just a moment ago. We wanna pray over them and not just like we would wanna put natural clothing on them. We wanna put spiritual clothing and a spiritual covering over them. And so we're praying for the Lord to preserve us and keep us through, not from, but keep us through seasons of tests and trials. So I wanna talk about the Lord's ability to preserve us, the Lord's ability to keep us. And it's important that we understand that the word temptation is a very neutral word. It is neutral based on the context of which we use it. It can, it can mean either temptations or it can mean times of tests or it can mean times or seasons of trials, depending on the context of which we use it. And so I wanna look at all three of these aspects tonight, try to take about an hour each on all three points if I can. Pray for me that I can stretch it out that far. <laughs> and then anything that we get through under three hours, you're just gonna feel like you got the deal of the century and here we are. So let's talk about temptation for just a moment. So since temptation in and of itself is an enticement to evil, why would we need then to ask God not to do something that he would never do? Why, why are this, it seems a little out of context. According to Psalms 23, God leads us in the paths of righteousness, certainly not in the paths of temptation. If we're not careful, oftentimes we find ourselves in this place because we are in the wrong place. Uh, a man by the name of Dr. R.A. Torrey, who was the first superintendent of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. One day, Dr. Torrey was uh, approached by a woman who was telling him about her life and the circumstances that led her to this particular sin. And when she got through kind of explaining her position, she said, and what would you have done, sir, if you had been in my situation. And he said, my dear lady, I would not have been in your situation. So there are some things we can just avoid. That's not, a, that's not a pompous statement. There are just some things we could avoid by just never going there to begin with. Amen. So we just, we find out uh, we'd never be in trouble for being at this particular place if we just never go to that particular place. I think there's a very powerful measure of truth of that statement because sometimes there are situations 
where we just shouldn't find ourselves. We just have no reason uh, to be there at all. We could have chosen differently perhaps before we felt that particular pull into temptation. James says that God doesn't tempt anyone in James 1 and 13. He said, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. One explanation of this uh, delivers from evil or lead us not into temptation is uh, that it perhaps is a figure of speech, meaning the opposite. Don't uh, lead us not into temptation or the opposite of that, lead us into righteousness. And I want the Lord to know that I want to be led into righteousness. I want the Lord to know that I don't feel like I've got a cap on my understanding of the word my understanding of the moving of the spirit of God. I, I haven't got it all in a box with a bow. I want the Lord to know that I want the, I want the presence of God, amen, to lead me on further into his truth, lead me on further into his ways, into the measure of who he is. Amen. There are times where we just simply do not know what to do. The Lord, the Spirit of the Lord. I'll maybe use an example. There are times in a in a, any given there there are times in certain services perhaps that that the Spirit of the Lord is moving in, in such a way. <clears throat> and I, I'm not saying this in a boastful manner. It's just a factual manner that uh, that for. This year would mark just a little bit over 36 years that I've been preaching and we are a little over 29 years into pastoring and so you would think at this point that when the spirit of the Lord begins to move, you would know what to do. But there are still moments that I don't know what to do. I've looked at others around. I've looked at the, to them for help and assistance. I've looked, I don't want to call any names, but I've just looked at them and, and they've kind of had a bewildered look in their eyes too because we don't have a handle on God. We haven't got him all figured out. There's measures of him and dimensions of him that we are yet to experience. And so we can't say, well, I know what to do because I've been right here before, but there's just something about the greatness of God. And so I want to pray, lead me. <laughs> Lead me to your righteousness. Lead me to your purity. Lead me, oh God, in your ways and help me to grow in you in every way that I possibly can. Don't ever stop growing. I don't ever want to stop growing. You know, when we are tempted, it's really easy to offer excuses. Um, just for, for the crowd for this illustration is getting smaller every year. But Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. Everybody laughs, but only a few understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and that crowd is getting smaller every year, and so I'm praying, so I'll find a different example, I guess. But it's easier, easy to, to, to blame that on somebody else. Try to figure out who we can, you know, some nail to hang this situation on or to blame this on. And so I, I, I wanna not get into that cycle of just trying to offer excuses. The Apostle Paul, let's consider what he said concerning the area of sin and sinfulness. He said in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, he said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All, everything that's lawful is not necessarily in my best interest. Now, that is a, 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 a very uh, a very important scripture because it covers so many areas of our lives. Because there are people 
who are always looking for just, you know, maybe we say it book, chapter, and verse for this, that, or the other. Amen. There, there are some things that, that we can't just turn to Romans chapter this and verse number that and say, well, here's why we don't do this or here's why we don't do that. I think we need to take a long, hard look at 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. Some things that are legal for me to do are not in my best interest to do, and so I'm just not gonna do that. And so some things may not be wrong in the sense of being sinful, like a heaven or hell issue, so to speak, but it, it may not be that, but it may be what this leads me to. And I'm not, again, I'm using this term. I'm not trying to cast a, a, a spirit of paranoia, but I think that we have to be careful because when you run off the road, you don't just, you don't just wind up in the ditch. If you look back in the grass, there's a path that led us to where we are. There's a path that took us off of that. And so I've got to be very careful with every decision because this decision is going to hinge on a next decision and that's going to hinge on the next decision. And so I want to be very, very careful. I have to ask myself, is it in my best interest to keep dining at a table that is going to feed me a diet that is spiritually unhealthy? And if this is not going to take me down a path of spiritual health, then I don't need to go there to begin with. I just need to take that, X that out of my life. Right here, right now, we're just gonna make that decision. We're gonna remove that out of my life. I'm gonna remove that out of my home. I'm gonna remove that out of my habits, whatever it may be. I'm just gonna deal with that here and now. I don't know what everybody's pleasure here would be tonight, your likes and dislikes, but this is just right here, just me talking in this next little bit, but I just don't get people that have pet snakes. I just don't get it. <laughs> They're growing every day. And somebody posted a, a video the other day on Facebook and there was just a, a, a lady that was kind of laying across the bed and there was a snake larger than her that was laying in that bed and I thought, that is the most foolish thing. Because there is a nature. And at some point, he's no longer hugging you. <laughs> I know this kind of feels warm and fuzzy right now, but that's not where he's thinking. That's not where, where this is going. This is a part of the process. I don't even sure how I got there, but let me get, I'm that guy ran off the road. I'm headed back to the pavement now. But there are just some things that we don't need in our life. Amen. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching against snakes now right here, but I'm just telling you there are just some things that are not there to hug us. They're not there to make us feel warm and fuzzy. The devil plays for keeps. You can't just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this and see how much temptation I can bear. You're gonna, I'm gonna taste this and see how far I can go. I'm gonna taper off of this or I'm gonna taper off it. There's some things you gotta stop, 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 stop. We just have to stop that. Amen. And so we just have to make sure that we don't, are not dining on a, on a diet that is, that is gonna take us down an unhealthy path. And so some things may be lawful, but they're not in my best interest. And so because they're not in my best interest, I'm just gonna take that out of my house, my heart, my life. Amen. Now, I think it's important to clarify that the devil may tempt us but we are the ones who decide to yield or we are the ones who decide to refrain. 
It is his business to tempt us, but it's our business to do with what we're gonna, uh, it's our decision to make after that point. And so our sin is nobody else's fault. We just have to kind of belly up to that and that is my decision and I did wrong. Amen, so we're responsible for our actions and, and the scripture says again and again repeatedly, he, that sin, amen, that, that person that sins, that's the person that's gonna have to give an account for that. Amen. We can't uh, we can't say, well, this is coming from some generational curse or whatever. But we have to understand that it's the man that sins. Him. That's the person that has to give account for that. So when we sin, we have to admit that if we are if we if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Some people may say it's you know kind of in my genetics makeup, I'm kind of predisposed. Uh, to this or that. And so that's, they're looking for a nail to hang some of their hangups on, whatever that may be. And uh, because my granddaddy was this way or my dad or my mom or whatever, um, you know, we can just kind of say, well, and you know, to kind of illustrate that, I'm not, there's many things we could use as an illustration, but you, you may come from an ill-tempered um, genetic background. And you can say, well, I'm this way because my daddy was that way or my whatever, whatever it may be. But I, I think that's just an excuse. Because a mark of genuine faith is a changed outlook to sin. I, I'm, I look at that differently. I see that differently. And so if my ancestor did something wrong, then I should want to correct that behavior in my own life because I want that corrected in my life, but I also want to have a positive influence on others around me. And so whatever our predisposition, and I think there, there could be some merit to that, that we can be predisposed to some of those things. You know, I grew up here in my whole life. It's early on that when you have red hair that you're ill-tempered. I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, that could have just been my get-out-of-jail-free card. Anybody else ever heard that? Maybe it's just the red-headed community I grew up in. I don't know. But I, I heard that all my life. So well, and so that may or may not be true. I'm not sure where where that comes from. But I just can't, I just can't take that as my 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 Sam's card. You know, just to, when I do something wrong, just pull out the card and say, "Well, here's why." No, I, I've got the Holy Ghost. I need to have a genuine change of attitude. I need to look at that differently. I need to look at that differently. And so if, if that was wrong, I need to correct my behavior in my own life and I certainly need to have a positive influence so we all have areas that we struggle with. We all have, even the quiet people right then. Everybody has areas that we struggle with, whatever that may be. We may try to rationalize or try to justify certain things, but for the most part, we have to recognize that what's going on in my life is a rebellion against a holy God. And so when we say we all have things that we struggle with, that's a universally true statement. You don't have to let your mind run to the uttermost of the guttermost there, but we all have things that we struggle with, whatever that may be. Amen, we need to recognize it for what it is, and it is rebellion against a holy God. And so I need to change that, not because it's unlawful, but because it's offensive to God. I don't need to change that because I may get caught. I need to change that because it's an offense to a holy God. And so if, if we were repelled by that 
sin, then it wouldn't be so tempting. If we are repulsed by that sin, then it wouldn't be so tempting. The Bible says of Job that he didn't just love the Lord, but he hated evil. And so I think these, those should go hand in hand. We don't just need to love the Lord, but we do need to have a righteous indignation for sin. Something ought to well up in our heart. I'm gonna tell you something about that, that when we read about the abortion rate in America, something ought to well up a righteous indignation in our soul. I'm not suggesting you go paint a sign and get on a sidewalk and march. I'm talking about something ought to be so repulsed in us. There ought to be something that just stirs in our heart. That is morally wrong. It is right. It is, it is a sin against God. Something ought to well up in us when we think about prayer being removed from school, when we think about God being unwelcome in the, in the schoolhouse, a place of education, when we think that, that a pornographic magazine would be more welcome than the Holy Bible. Something in our heart I'm not talking about our attitude. I'm not talking about just something. I'm not talking about something that, that kind of goes against our upbringing. I'm talking about something in the Holy Ghost. Our righteous indignation ought to be stirred. This is wrong and we ought to pray against that and speak against that. Amen. I believe that the Lord, that Job loved the Lord, but he hated, he eschewed evil. Amen. So when we take on a Christian worldview, we were we regard wrongdoing differently. Our sinful desires, they're not eradicated, but, but they're aligned to more what is right. We all have the propensity to step out of line. You could do it before the stroke of midnight here tonight. Amen, we all have a propensity to do what's wrong. Amen, but, but we are more aligned to do what's right. I believe that we're gonna right, walk right more than we walk wrong if our heart is in the right place. Anybody ever said something you regretted? Have you ever just spewed something out? Just, 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 you just thought it and said it. We've all been right there. Right there. But that ought to be the exception and not the rule. We ought to be more aligned with what's right. Amen. Some people feel that when they start living for the Lord that they're just gonna absolutely and totally lose their all their appetite for sin. And that is not necessarily true. No more true than it is when you get married. Everybody from that point forward is gonna be born ugly. It's not gonna happen that way. That's just not the way it happens. We're not gonna lose our desire for sin. It's not just gonna be abolished in a moment of time. Amen, it just doesn't necessarily happen that way, but we can pray for the Lord to help us. The more you fall in love with the righteousness of God, the more repulsed we will be by the sinfulness of the world that we are living in. Oh God, help us, amen. <clears throat> you see, most temptations begin on the inside, and that is because we have an Adam or an Adamic nature, the nature of Adam, and that leads us to sinful choices. Our second topic tonight is, the, is that we are all prone to times of testing. In other words, the scripture talks about help us while we are facing sometimes inevitable hardships or inevitable enticements that we may, may come across in life. You see, a test 
is in our life to prove something. It proves our character. It proves perhaps our knowledge. It may prove our convictions. But tests are given for a reason. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul assures us that God will never allow us to be tested or tempted above that ye are able. God is not in the business of trying to crush people. I, like you, have thought the very same thing. I'll say it, you've said it publicly, maybe just privately, but we read that scripture in Corinthians and say we're not gonna be tested above that we're able and we've all thought, well, God sure must think a whole lot of me right now. But I just feel the weight of this just gnawing. I feel my knees just kind of buckling. Amen. So when we pray this portion of the Lord's Prayer, we're asking God, if I must face this trial, then I'm asking you to strengthen me and protect me from any potential sin. Amen. Because you see, we can turn trials if we're not careful into temptation and and God is testing us so we know how strong that we really are or how strong that we need to be. Um, and so we just have to understand the value of, of, of proving ourselves from time to time. What can we do? There are times in all of our minds we think we can do now what we've always done until we go to do it. And then you write, you find out, as one person said, sometimes your body will write, your mind will write checks your body can't cash. <laughs> and we just feel like that we are right there. We can just, uh, I'm as strong as I've ever been. I have as much resistance or as resilient as I've ever been. But a test, you see, a test proves that to be so or not so. And so it tests us. The storms of life come. They can certainly interrupt our life and, and without a doubt frustrate our plans, but the end result is always the same. It causes us to trust God more and rely on him because we understand that we don't have it all figured out and we need the Lord. We don't often see tests as beneficial, but they do help us in, in spiritual growth and help us in character development because God has promised that he'll keep us steadfast in times of testing, in times of trial. You see, tomorrow we could be faced with an ethical choice. We could be torn between two opinions. And this moral dilemma may be a temptation from the devil or it may be a test from God just to see what we're gonna do, how we're gonna handle this, to see how honest we would be if a certain situation presented itself to us. We've all been perhaps given a little bit too much change back in a transaction while standing at a cash register. That could have been the devil tempting us. may have been the Lord testing us. See what you're gonna do with this moment. You're gonna put that $5 in your pocket or are you gonna say, wait a minute, I think we've got a mistake and we can fix this. And so I think the difference between these two things is intent because Satan wants us to yield and fall. That's what he was, and then he's the accuser of the brethren. He wants us to yield and fall so he can forever wag his finger in our face, but God wants us to resist 
and triumph in that and learn from that. And so in, in, in the Lord's prayer, we're not asking God to keep us from testing, but we're asking the Lord to help us pass the test. Job, who was the most tested man that we know of in, in all of history for that matter, not just biblical history, but all of history, Job said, 23 and 10, but he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows, he knoweth the way that I take. My goodness, what a, what a confident prayer. He knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Thirdly, things that we face are seasons of trials. A trial is an adversity or perhaps a suffering. You see, a a test can be just momentarily. A test can be for a little while. A test is gonna eventually end. Trials and adversity or suffering or afflictions fall under the category of trials. And this may be, in fact, a season, but it may be from now on. Trials build character. They transform, I believe, common Christians into uncommon saints. God can take trials and he can use them for our value and benefit and actually for the benefit of the kingdom of God. Trials are certainly a part of God's plan for our lives. Now, they're not especially welcome, but they can and do increase our faith. A trial could be an illness and that illness could be a temporary thing. It could be just a seasonal thing that we go through. It may be something that we face in our life, but it could be a lifetime. I'm not trying to be negative or cynical, but I am trying to be realistic. That there are some trials that we walk in. Amen. We walk that. We walk that path. A trial could be a financial setback. We may have had uh, this planned or that planned, and, and maybe lost our job or or something devastating financially happened to us, and 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 those things happen. It could be a traumatic event, the loss of a loved one, or the loss of a friend. Many illustrations could fall under the bracket of a trial. Again, these may be seasons that we have to walk through. But when we go through these trials, I believe that we should not, and I borrow the words of our good friend, brother and sister Wilson, who said we cannot afford to waste our storm. They said this in the aftermath of their son drowning on a Sunday afternoon. And, and uh, they have used that that horrible, horrible event and painful season of their life to minister to others and to help them. And they have been so instrumental in reaching out, especially to others who have lost children. And they, and they, and they have ministered to others many times by saying, we do not want to waste our storm. Now here's where they could be. They could be backslidden. They could be, they could be bitter. Amen, they could still be serving God. They could still be in the house of God. They could still be on a pew and their heart could be rancid and full of dead men's bones. They could be looking at other uh, of their peers whose sons went on uh, to succeed in other areas of their life and have children and grandchildren uh, and a house on the hill and they could be bitter because all of that was snuffed out of their life or they can say we do not want to waste the storm God kept us and he kept his hand on us and he preserved us he didn't take us away from evil he didn't take us away from tragedy amen I'm going to tell you I remember at Patrick's funeral and pardon me for pausing here 
But I remember at Patrick's funeral, their son's funeral, being there and, and walking to the front row where they were sitting there. And uh, we have been friends for many years prior to that and, and, and of course since then. And he looked at me and he said, this is the hardest thing that I have ever had to face in my life. This is the hardest thing. He was sitting on a pew just feet away from the body of his son, hopes and dreams for a future and all of that. But you know what? They lifted themselves against all odds and they stood back up again and continued not only to lead themselves but to lead others and to be an influencer. So I'm going to tell you, don't waste our storm. Whatever you're going through, it may not make any sense to you right now, but one of these days you may cross the path of someone who needs to hear exactly what you have to tell them and what you may have to tell them is this, God didn't really heal me, but he has helped me. God did not just pull me out and deliver me and restore, but I'm gonna tell you this, that God has kept his hand on me and the days that I couldn't think I could move another mile or walk another mile, God has been right there. He's been my faithful friend and he has been my companion. Amen, God is not going to put us in some vacuum sealed life where we never have to have any ills or any evil, but he will keep us. He will preserve us. <clears throat> yes, he will. My, my, my. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Before any battle, soldiers pray. When we are facing adversity or ethical dilemmas, we might pray that God would lead us to people who can help us resist and help us overcome. I believe that we really need people in our life that we can depend on, <clears throat> that we can call and say, look, I just need you to pray for me right now. And they don't need every little dirty detail of what's going on. They just know, I, I, we just need a viable plan. Somebody in our life that we know can lift us up. Praise the Lord. Somebody that can and will lift us up. Praise God. I believe that we can become over, that we can be overcomers. I don't think that's just a pill you take. I think we have to be pretty intentional about this. But I think we can overcome by, by just immersing ourselves in the study of God's word. I, I, I don't want you to take what I'm about to say wrong. I don't think that, that we can negate our responsibility to study God's word and meditate on God's word. But just sometimes when I'm in my shop working, and I'm not saying do this because I do this, but I've just been influenced to do this by other people. But I just just turn on the, the Bible, audio Bible. We all have access to all of that now and, and just let the word of God just play in the background. Amen. There have been nights when I really couldn't, was struggling to go to sleep and I just put just one little ear pod in my, in my ear and just turn on the Bible and just let the word of God. Amen. I don't think that takes the place of study. I don't think that is some magic formula, but I'm gonna tell you that we need to immerse ourselves in the word of God. I believe that we can be overcomers by spending serious time in prayer. I'm not talking about riding down the road, oh God, keep your hand on me. I'm not talking about rushing out the, wind, rushing out the front door, but I'm talking about some serious, look, look, if we can sit down and watch a television program for an hour or an hour and a half or movies that are two or three hours long and we can't pray 30 minutes, we can't pray an hour. 
Amen. We need to ask ourselves why. Jesus asked, could you not pray one hour? Could you not pray one hour? Amen. We need to immerse ourselves in serious time of prayer. We need the support of Christian fellowship. We need the support of people around us, the church. How are we gonna survive? You can't survive by staying away. You better immerse yourself. Amen, we need to understand that victory over temptation is possible. Jesus, the, the, Paul said to the Philippian church, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come. I'm trying to figure out uh, what to bring and what to leave here, but just to ask you to come if you will. But uh, I'm, I'm not closing necessarily but Jesus can liberate us he can liberate us from urges within he can liberate us from that we can have victories in our life and we can take on a lifestyle of turning or we can take on a lifestyle of becoming and that was my prayer when I when I I was talking about our men and I, I really mean that for everybody but certainly uh, coming off of our men's conference just something in my heart but I believe that we can take on a lifestyle of turning. I believe that we can turn from sin to righteousness. I believe we can turn from self to God. I believe we can turn from death to life, on and on and on, amen. When we really mean business with the Lord, you know, I, again, I know it was sort of a fad that kind of took our country by storm some years ago, but it's a really uh, good question to ask. We really should ask, when we are facing temptations, we should really ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? I think that's a legitimate question. There was a book written about that. I think that's where that stemmed from. Can you help me remember the name of the book, babe? Say it again. What would Jesus do? Okay, that was easy enough, wasn't it? <laughs> Thank you for helping me with that. <laughs> what would Jesus do? It's a, it's a legitimate question. When we are faced with a dilemma, how would the Lord, what would I do if Jesus was sitting right here? That's a good question to ask ourselves a lot of times. What would I do if the Lord was sitting here? If the Lord was sitting here, would I be watching that? Or if the Lord was sitting here, would I be talking about that? If the Lord was sitting here, would I be reading that? If the Lord was sitting here, would I be here? It's a legitimate question. What would Jesus do? In heaven, we're gonna be free from the presence of sin. We can't even imagine that. But in the meanwhile, we, pre we wrestle with pressures that violate our conscience and pressures that violate God's law because evil is everywhere present. I'll, I'll ask you to stand with me, if you will, and an illustration I have used in, in uh, at least a couple of funerals that I'm aware of. But I thought of it today and I, I went through my files and found it again. In 1987, the University of Arizona built what they called Biosphere 2. It's built right outside of Tucson, Arizona. You can Google this and see it for yourself. It is, uh, Biosphere 2 is a 3.14 acre research facility in the Arizona desert. It is, it is the largest closed system ever created. The biosphere mimicked the five simulated areas of Earth's existence. From observation, scientists believe that this biosphere would help them 
to establish and maintain colonies in outer space. For the most part, things went well. But there was a problem in a, in a couple of areas, but one of the problems was, was trees. The trees grew, and they grew for years, but they had been raised in an atmosphere that was absent wind. They had all the right nutrients. The sunlight, water, everything was just right, but there was no storm. They never bowed low against gale force winds. The evening breezes never jostled the trees, never challenged their position. Never once in this protected environment did these trees ever have to fight the first storm because they were in an enclosed environment. They knew nothing about adversity. So we may be prone to think, well, how cool would that be? Never any storm. And we would think in this protected environment with everything they need, they should have grown tall. How majestic and sturdy they must have become, but that's anything but true. The, t- the trees did not grow straight and tall, but they growed in a way toward, that they bent toward the ground. Eventually, the scientists had to use braces and even ropes in some instances to hold them up. And so the scientists at the University of Arizona believed that one of the reasons that the trees did not grow was the absence of wind or the absence of adversity. Because the wind caused the tree's root system to be tested and to grow stronger. Wind caused the bark on the tree to grow to be tougher. And the tougher the bark meant the stronger the tree. And so there is a reason for adversity. God is not up here flexing his spiritual muscles, trying to see if he can thump us off the map, crush us under his weight. Amen. God brings some storms in our life and we learn how to lean on him and trust him. and Causes us to grow powerful and strong in his might. I don't know about you, but I think there may be passages of scripture in my Bible that would, that would not be underlined had it not been for some storms that I went through. But in the process of that storm, I was driven to my knees and I was pressed into his holy writ. And God just gave me something and I underlined it. It means something to me now. I may have never discovered that powerful promise had I not been standing absent the wind in my life. Adversities cause us to pray more and study more. It really should cause us to be more faithful to his house and more faithful in prayer and to his word because that's where our strength is going to come from. And so I, I, I know that in reality this series has been kind of broken up over many more weeks than I really anticipated when we began. But early on, I think maybe the second night in talking about this, I, I said this, that praying the Lord's prayer is a risky prayer it's a risky thing because we can't pray it truthfully if we're not willing to push ourselves completely out of the way and so I'm just going to read what I read that night I cannot say our if I'm only living for myself 
I cannot say Father if I'm not willing to act like his child. I cannot say who art in heaven if I'm not intent every day trying to lay up treasures there. I cannot say hallowed be thy name if I personally am not striving for holiness in my own life. I cannot say thy kingdom come if I'm not doing everything within my power to hasten that day by reaching out to everyone that I can. I cannot say thy will be done if I'm not willing to be obedient to his word. I can't say in earth as it is in heaven if I'm unwilling to serve him here and now. You see, if you won't live for God today, if people won't live for God today, they won't die for God later. I've had many, many people through the years tell me, I'm, I'm just struggling to live for the Lord. I can't do it. But I can tell you, I would never take the mark of the beast. Let me say, if you can't live for God, you won't die for him. Amen. If we can't live for God with his presence, feeling this atmosphere, we won't be able to serve him when his presence is gone from this atmosphere. Amen. I can't say give us this day our daily bread if I'm not really relying on him to provide that. I can't say forgive us our debts if I harbor grudges against someone else. And I can't say lead us not into temptation if I deliberately place myself in its path day after day. I can't say deliver us from evil if I haven't put on the whole armor of God. I can't say thine is the kingdom if I'm not loyal to his kingdom. I can't attribute unto him power if I fear what people may do or what people may say. I cannot ascribe to him glory if I'm, not, if I'm only seeking to honor myself. And I cannot say forever if my, if my life is bounded completely in the things called time. Amen, time. Amen, I know we've been here a little while. Would you just step out and let's come down to the front. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us become become what he has called us to be. As we worship the Lord in this song, we can let this song be a part of our prayer. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.